When the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in a cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you're thinking, because the Lord is with you. But that very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan. Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build the temple for me to live in. In fact, I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead, I've been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my travel, traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any of Israel's tribal leaders I appointed to shepherd my people, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then, say this to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heavenly forces says, I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all your enemies before you. <clears throat> now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people Israel and plant them so they may live and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they have been earlier, when I appointed leaders over my people Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. When the time comes for you to die and lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your descendant, one of your very own children, to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a temple for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. God, who lives in a tent, make yourself known to us today. May your word only be spoken. May your word only be heard. Amen. Okay, so when Pastor Ben preached on this last week, I had my, my whole body was like, what? what? Uh, and I've heard this my whole life. I've heard this story my whole life. David settles into a palace, but for whatever reason, probably because I drive past people living in tents on my way to church, on my way to work, and then for this idea that the king is settling into his palace just made me feel like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I was on the outside of the experience looking at this story with a lot of skepticism. And I know I have plenty of reasons to rely on my intelligence. I just don't often feel justified in doing so. So for example, I can analyze the king's motivations with a certain level of expertise. He's behaving like a king. He's feeling the pressure of leadership 
And that is why he's acting entitled, powerful, and self-assured. It makes perfect sense that people behave that way when they're wearing a crown on a certain level. On another level, I cannot believe it. I'm dumbfounded and left wondering, what on earth was he thinking? God's fine in a tent. My neighbors live in tents. If I want better for God, I should think about what I'm giving my neighbors first, right? So if you've heard me preach in the past, you may have noticed that I have some weird ideas about how we think about God. And um, I don't often refer to God with the typical names. In fact, um, my phone is completely lost whenever I type in the word God and always autocorrects for good. <laughs> I notice this. Uh, the phone says, I try to say God is good to Bianca earlier this week, and it says, good is good. It's a trick I play on myself to shake myself out of any kind of complacency. If I cannot use the word God for the power that I know to be influential over my life, then what word would I use? In other words, if God is good, then why use the word God at all? Why not just use the word good? Good is big. Good is real. Good is in charge. Good lives in a tent. So Pastor Ben reminded me last week that David had one job to do. Represent good to all the people. Instead, he tried to represent some kind of deity that needs a specific location in order to gain respect. Now, at this point, it seems like maybe he's not confusing God with good. He's confusing himself with God because he wants to settle into a palace, he assumes. Why wouldn't God? Good can happen anywhere. This is what's happening in David's, David's mind. But God needs a tent. Good is for everyone to see in each other and in their daily lives. God needs a special place set apart so that we have to work to protect the holy. I'm just not buying it, you guys. So this is the point in the sermon when I realize I'm not up here feeling like a confident teacher proclaiming the word of good. I feel instead like someone with crazy ideas telling them to strangers and friends who will hold me accountable if I stray away from what we previously agreed on was acceptable preaching behavior. I have a good friend who taught me that every word I speak is a way of establishing agreements. Sometimes, though, the words I've said previously locked me into an agreement I cannot uphold or a promise I don't want to keep. If at some point I agreed to use the word God for the love and light in my world, I don't remember making that agreement. 
So I'm going to walk that one back. I do know I feel locked into it, but I think I need to upgrade the agreement. So this is the second friend, that, the second lesson that this friend taught to me. So if every word is in agreement, I may need to upgrade occasionally because I talk a lot. So it's always okay to upgrade the agreements. She even taught this to my daughter, Lena, who will be eight next month. She likes to point her finger in the air and shout, upgrade the agreement when she's in need of a new way of thinking about something. No candy after 8 p.m.? Upgrade the agreement. Have dessert first. We have to wear pants to the grocery store? Upgrade the agreements so that she never has to run errands with me ever again. David thought he was doing what he agreed to do, just like any number of us to worship, honor, make a financial investment in God, sets apart some time and space for the holy. The good came along and said, upgrade the agreements. I don't need a fancy place. Maybe you do, David. I get it. But I'm good. You can worship and honor me any place, anytime. I'm good. If only you would actually just do it any place, anytime. Go for it. Don't need a fancy house. I'm good. Now, I don't like it when people mansplain me because it's like I've made the agreement and we're agreeing that Abigail said something. And if we don't understand, okay. So I'm not, I'm not up here trying to like mansplain Pastor Ben. I'm, I'm not even like, because I'm Mexican and Spanish, like sometimes I think I'm spansplaining somebody. <laughs> Like, oh, no, Mexicans playing this, uh, you, you don't know. Ben does now. And I just felt like, there's more to say than fits in a 10-minute sermon. And so then he said, go for it, right? So I hope I'm not boring you because we're upgrading the agreements here. Because, you know, typically you come in here on a different story every Sunday. Upgrade the agreements. I'm hoping that you'll see that I'm trying to build on what Pastor Ben said when I tell you that the marginalized parts of me do not understand why on earth anyone would think that good would want any kind of specified location reserved for special occasions and special people. The dominant culture, which I'm not a part of, often takes cues from white supremacist thinking, gets itself wrapped around the axles of false binaries and hierarchy, and it causes us a lot of anxiety trying to live with things being completely right or wrong, black or white. God should have a tabernacle, but good can be with us anywhere, in the gray areas between black and white, where things feel confusing and conflicted. God needs us to get our act together, maybe, and approach with reverence, I don't know, but good knows we need it to arrive when we are at our ugliest, most chaotic, and profane selves. So Pastor Ben explained last week that good doesn't have a my way or the highway approach to problem solving. It's more like we make a problem 
And Good says, well, there's a solution in there somewhere. Let's take another look. Let's see what you really got yourself into. See what we can come up with. So what if instead of a peaceful place for just me, we make a peaceful place and a peaceful future and a destiny and maybe a dynasty for all the people? Everybody? We make such gigantic and complex problems. You know, racism, the demise of our ecosystems, that kind of thing. And Good says, hey, I'm here with you in it. I know what it's like to live in a tent. I'm not unaffected by the issues you're facing. I'm not set apart on a throne or ignorant about what you're experiencing. I'm compassionate because I've been there and I'll go there again with you every time. I'm good. So let's see what we can figure out together. Good says, we're going to need some strength for the journey. Let's have a bite to eat. Let's have a song and a quiet moment together and see what we can do once we're nourished with a little bread and juice. When we've all experienced something together, a taste of song and sweet and sustenance, after each of us has a little bit of goodness in our mouths and in our hearts, then we'll sit down and think it through together and upgrade the agreements in the name of all that is good. Amen. <laughs>